Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Let It Be podcast with Becky Ziegenfuss. We are kicking off the Christmas season a little early this year. So for the next few weeks, we will be talking about all things Christmas, from gifting ideas to stories of hope and miracles. So take in the season, enjoy the beauty, and breathe in the wonder. This is your time. So whatever you have to do, let it go, let it wait, let it be. Hi, friends. Welcome to the final episode of the Let It Be podcast of 2020. We are wrapping up our Christmas edition this week, and I'm so excited to have some really dear friends of mine here today to share the story that their whole family has journeyed on for the last couple of years. So I want to not waste any time and introduce you to the Glover family. I have Brock, Casey, and Blake here with me today. So hi, guys. Hi. Welcome to the Let It Be podcast. I'm so excited for you to share your story. I'm excited to learn more about your story and to just hear from many different perspectives what this has looked like for you and your family for the last couple of years. So I don't know where we want to start. Maybe, maybe Brock, I'm going to just have you kind of tell us who you are and um, just a little bit about yourselves. Okay. Well, first I have to say we're missing two of our kids. That's true. Yes. One of them is not here at home right now, basically dog sitting, and the other one is at school. So Jaden is our middle daughter, and then Braylon, our youngest. So. Were they sad that they're not on this podcast? Do we need to circle no. back? Oh, no, they weren't. Okay. No, <laughs> they're they're like, no. glad to they're be totally somewhere fine. else. I'll I pass think. that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but my name is Brock. Um, my wife and I, we've been married for 20 years now craziness yeah that's awesome um and uh but we were we're both from indianapolis indiana moved here about 16 years ago blake was actually like 10 months old i think when we moved here and um so but i grew up in church my dad's a pastor he's been at the same church for like 35 years i did not know that my dad was a pastor and was at the same church for 45 years really yeah that's not common these days still there right now retired but they still go there yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, I grew up in church, uh, never thought that I would actually be a pastor. Same. It wasn't really, it wasn't like I despised it or anything. It was just, you know, it was kind of an expectation, I guess, that mm-hmm. I just wasn't willing to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that changed in college and I ended up being a pastor. So yeah. moved here. We've been here for 16 years and, um, recently made a big career change. I'm sure we might talk about that later, but um, and I'm actually in, uh, uh, the mortgage business now, just got yeah. my license. So, um, that's, I guess that's it for me. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm a Cardinals fan. Should I say that? Sure. You can that's, say whatever you want. We just got listeners. So no one can get angry listening after that, but, <laughs> right. um, I love no baseball. Feedback. That's right. <laughs> I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. So I still, I still love going to Reds games and yeah. I like the Reds, but I know hopefully, hopefully this summer that so, can come back. I know. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having yeah, us. And absolutely. Looking forward to it. Well, we can dive right into the, the journey that y'all have been on. So for those listening, we've got mom, dad, and their daughter, Blake. And um, it was about a little over two years ago mm-hmm. that your worlds got rocked in a way that no one wants to, to go through. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know who wants to kind of start us on that. Maybe Casey, okay. since you're mama, maybe you can kind of take us back two years ago in November. Um, yes. So back in November of 2018, um, Blake had been saying that, well, actually, I guess it was probably October-ish. 
she had been saying that she noticed a swelling on the side of her neck and she had just finished her volleyball season. Um, and so as a mom, like, I feel like I'm a concerned mom, but not like overly like, Mm -hmm. uh, what do you call it? Like Like, paranoid, like, you know, like hyper on. Yes. Yeah. Running to the doctor. So she said that she saw this, um, swelling on the side of her neck. And I thought initially maybe it's just like a pulled muscle or something. Um, I don't know. Wasn't really super concerned about getting it checked out right Mm -hmm. away. I said, let's just kind of watch it, see if it goes down, you know, whatever. Like, were you 15? How old were you at this time? You were 15. 15, yeah. yeah. So what, what grade were you when you were a freshman? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, she had said that, you know, it wasn't hurting. It didn't really bother her and you didn't really like notice it all the time, just looking straight at her. But when Mm -hmm. she would turn her head or whatever, you could totally tell. So, um, I didn't really do anything about it initially. And then, um, a few weeks later, our in-laws were in town for, I don't really remember what, just to come visit, I think. And, um, when Blake showed my Mm mother-in-law, she was like, uh, I feel like that's something you should probably get checked out. And so then I was, so then that made me nervous. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I guess we should go about trying to figure this out. So I made an appointment with the pediatrician initially. Um, he didn't really have any answers. He just kind of said, looks like a swollen lymph node. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be behind a muscle that's causing it to bulge. Um, I don't really know right now, but I'm going to have you follow up with uh, blood work, an ultrasound, and an ENT visit. And mm-hmm. so I said, okay. So we left that appointment that day. Um, still not superly over concerned. Uh, I don't know. Were you at that point um, worried, starting to get worried? Yeah, when they started like telling us that they weren't sure and we should get more tests and things, I was starting to get a little bit nervous, but... She didn't really let me know. Mm. So anyways, we went to um, the, uh, what do we do next? We went to the ultrasound. Yeah, this was the week before Thanksgiving. And so we went to the ultrasound and blood work. And the ultrasound came back showing that it was a lymph node that was swollen. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why they couldn't tell is because it was behind the lymph. You know, normally if you've had a swollen lymph node, which... A lot of people have. Yeah. It happens when you get sick. And there's or whatever. several in your neck. Right. I mean. um, you can usually feel the, mm-hmm. it's like a knot. Like right. you actually feel the lymph node. Well, this one we couldn't, and it just looked like her whole neck was swollen. Well, it's because the lymph node was behind her muscle and it was basically pushing her muscle out, which made her whole neck look swollen. So it was a lymph node. The blood work, though, was totally fine. Mm-hmm. Everything was normal. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, well, you know, we'll just have you go to the ENT doctor and let them look at it and decide if there's anything to be concerned about or if there's anything else we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we scheduled that to be after the Thanksgiving. You got home from Thanksgiving, yeah. So, so I remember we went home to Thanksgiving. It was normal, yeah. you know, unlike this year. We didn't even get to go home this year. Yeah. That kind of stinks. Um, but um, it was normal. Like we had our typical gathering. We mm-hmm. talked about it, but it still wasn't an overly concerning thing to us yet. And Blake, it was never painful. So, right. Mm -hmm. Just, just enlarged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, we had a good time and Indy for Thanksgiving came back home and it was the Tuesday after Thanksgiving that we went to the ENT. ENT. Yeah. And this was at the, um, I have to say, Dr. Meyer, 
He's amazing. Oh yeah, we know so, Dr. Meyer. We've yeah. senior. Do you know senior? Yep. Okay. He's d- he's done three surgeries on my kids now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, awesome. I have to so, drop his name because he was he was incredible awesome. through the whole thing. Yeah. Including the fact that we we only saw him once. Wow. He's super proactive. And he was on it. Well, yeah. we did see him again throughout later well, on, well, but yeah. Before diagnosis. Before that, yeah. we had we been referred by a friend, a client of mine mm-hmm. that I cleaned for, actually worked for him years ago and told me that he was amazing and that yes. we should go through him, you know. So we did see him and he had said at that appointment. Um, and he's with Cincinnati Children's. Yes, yeah. yes. If Liberty, we're going to name drop, we'll yeah. just give him all the credit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and at Liberty <laughs> Campus, yeah, which we love, Liberty Campus. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we went there and we saw him and... Of course, he had no immediate diagnosis either. Sure. Just said um, kind of the same thing we had been hearing. But him being the doctor he is, he said um, initially, let's just, we'll put you on antibiotics for a couple weeks, see if it goes down. If it does not, then we will go on and further do a biopsy and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. He said, I don't really want to rush into a biopsy unless I know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then at the very end of our appointment, he said, before you leave, I would like to do a chest x-ray. And to me, um, I don't even know what that means, mm-hmm. why, mm-hmm. what that has to do with her neck mm-hmm. or whatever. So, um, I said, okay. So we went downstairs, we did a chest x-ray and he said, if, if something were to come up on the chest x-ray, that will cause me to want to do the biopsy sooner than later. Okay. And so, um, we went downstairs, we did the chest x-ray. They said we would find out within 24 hours, but we, that lasted 20 minutes. Maybe we left children's at Liberty campus, went to first watch right nearby and had breakfast and at breakfast, they called us. So I answered the phone, my whole body like went numb and Blake's just staring at me across from the table. And he said, uh, we noticed something on the x-ray and we want to do the biopsy in two days. And so I was like, okay, here we go. So Blake across from the table was like, what did he say? what did he say? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You know, uh, um, he wants to do the biopsy now. Like I'm scared. So we all kind of got emotional that day together. And then she said, can I not go back to school? And I said, sure, you don't have to. And we went home and I don't really remember how the rest of the day went that day, um, but two days later, we had the biopsy um, on the 29th of November, <clears throat> and that was in the morning, and our parents both came out for it, um, and when they did the biopsy, everything went fine and normal, um, but I, I'm i sure Brock can attest to vividly remembering in that little room that you talk with a doctor mm-hmm. after the surgery, um, he said, cause they had said, we see something in her mediastinum, which I'm not a doctor. I don't huh? have a clue what <laughs> right. that means. I'm like, what's mediastinum? What's a, you know, what's that mean? Whatever. And so I didn't really further like ask any other questions about it until that day. And so after the surgery, he comes into the little room and we're talking with him. And I said, which Brock and I just went back by ourselves. Our parents were in the waiting room. And, um, I said, he said, everything went fine. I took out two lymph nodes. We're going to, we're going to test them. We'll let you know within a day or two. Um, and I said, can I just ask you, 
whatever you saw on that chest x-ray and that you said was in her mediastinum, is that reason to believe that this is probably lymphoma? And he shook his head yes. So then Brock and I just looked at each other and kind of, you know, we're like, what What are we going to do now? I don't know. So was, we, Blake, were you in the room no, during all this? She okay. was in recovery. Okay. And yeah, didn't have a clue. Okay. Still under anesthesia. Yeah. And I thought, how am I going to get myself together before mm-hmm. she wakes up to not, because I mean, we didn't want to say, I mean, he kind of led yeah. us to believe that was probably going to be the diagnosis, but mm-hmm. yeah. said, still wait till we call you with the biopsy results. So, um, but I just thought, how am I going to get myself together to talk to her when she wakes up? Cause she's going to ask mm-hmm. like, how'd it go? what do he say? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we went, Brock and I sat in a little cove before we went to go see our parents. Cause I was like, I don't know what, I don't know what to say to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, let's just tell them we don't know anything yet. We'll find out, you know, tomorrow or the next day. And so I said, okay. And I went to the bathroom, got myself together. And then we went out there and his mother, surprisingly, my mom is like hyper, like out of control all the time. Okay. (laughs) And for this day, she was not. And so my mother-in-law was staring at me the whole time that we came back to the to the seats and Brock started talking. Cause I said, you're going to have to talk. I don't want to say anything. So he, um, started to talk and Becky's staring at me saying, why aren't you talking? Casey, why aren't you saying anything? Why are you not looking at me? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So after a minute or two of her like hounding me, I just broke down in the waiting room, started crying. And, um, She's like, oh my gosh, what is it? Is it what we think it is? You know? And I said, possibly we'll find out for sure, you know, in the next day or two, but it's likely. So, um, fast forward to the next day and Brock was at a paint job and they called his phone number. Dr. Meyer called him and confirmed that yes, it is Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, I don't really know what they ended up saying to you about like, when you're going to meet with the oncologist, this, when this starts, I don't um, remember any details. Yeah. I mean, but it I, was, I mean, you were a, a wreck at that point. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't waiting for the phone call. I didn't really expect it to be the next day. I thought it may be Saturday or Sunday or whatever, but, um, but the next day when he called, it was like, as actually two twenty one, I think mm-hmm. on November 30th. And I was out in New Richmond, like 45 minutes from my house, and got the phone call. And I'm, like, pacing back and forth while he's talking to me. And it was definitely, like, I don't know. In movies, they they try to portray it as, like, how everything goes silent. Mm -hmm. And, like, people around you, like, you just don't hear anything as soon as you hear that, you know. Now the difference is they weren't telling me I had cancer yeah, it's positive and, you know, your daughter has cancer. And so, um, I definitely, I mean, I just, I started immediately started thinking, how am I going to say, tell Blake, mm-hmm. you know, um, you think about the, all the time and effort you put into asking your spouse to marry you. Yeah. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how am I going to say it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to easy? Like, I'm. It's just I'm thinking about that aspect of like, how am I going to say this? And I wasn't didn't know what I was walking into either, and I didn't want to call Casey and tell her. So I'm like driving 45 minutes, mm-hmm. um, not calling her, and that whole time was just I'm, I literally almost ran into the back of a semi truck because I was crying so much. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking too at one point, which, you know, I guess I had some self-awareness at that time because I was thinking, man, if anybody sees me right now, like mm-hmm. driving by, <laughs> probably thinking, man, that dude's losing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I realized that I was like coming up on a semi truck right in front of me and I was like, oh crap, I better slam the <laughs> brakes, you know? So, and I was just praying, you know, some little bit of begging maybe some arguing mm-hmm. with god during yeah. that time you know yeah. um one of the thoughts that i remember having was like if any like i deserve this more than she does mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um like why why should a 15 year old have to go through this you know yeah. but um i was quickly reminded that none of this is because she deserves it yeah so that's a pretty dumb argument to have, mm-hmm. you know, this, she wasn't being punished for anything. Right, she right. didn't, she, there was no, that, that wasn't the point, you know, mm-hmm. it's not why this is happening. So, so I get home and, um, this was on November 30th and, um, basically everyone's standing in the kitchen when, as soon as I walk in and Casey knew I was at a job painting and I wasn't supposed to be home. So mm. I think, she kind of knew exactly what, and your eyes were why I was home. swollen and red mm-hmm. as soon as you walked in the door and you said, can you come upstairs and talk to me? So I immediately, yeah. Well, and one of, was wrong. one of our friends at the time was standing there too. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I just asked Casey to come upstairs. Well, then I told her Blake came in right after that. Um, and sees us crying. And I tell her, then Jaden follows her, comes mm-hmm. in, she's crying. Uh, Braylon, our 10-year-old, who was eight at the time, she f- comes in behind her, you know, and eventually all five of us are in our bedroom. Yeah. And um, we're all crying. And, you know, the, the big thing about that, those moments was like, you hear this horrible news, mm-hmm. but you don't have any... There's no like at the time to- at that moment. There's no like course of action. You right. Don't, how are they going to treat it? We've never had anyone in our family with cancer. Mm-hmm. I've never been. I've had like I don't know anything about any of that. Mm-hmm. What it looks like, how long it's going to take, whatever. So we weren't even really thinking about any of that. It was just like how do you process the fact that like this new this all of a sudden you've got your staring cancer in yeah. the face, you know. And um, the thing that I always tell people, and um, Casey, they've my, Blake gives me a hard time about it because they're like, you tell everybody the same thing. And I'm like, well, because this, to me, this is the best picture because this is the moment, like I said, like we're sitting there, there's all kinds of like questions and doubt and uh, going through your mind and emotions that, that are just crazy, like full in your heart. Um, and 
you just found out you had cancer and this is how you responded. Mm-hmm. Like to me, and it was, it was the picture of how she handled and faced this giant throughout the whole 10 mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. of, you know, treatment. And, uh, there's Casey's phone. That's right. So, um, yeah, it's all right. Sorry. We've been there before. <laughs> so, um, it's like church. Maybe you should let Blake <laughs> say what she said. I will. Oh, Go okay. ahead. Yeah. Do okay. you, you want to say it? You remember the first three things you said? Because we're all sitting there together crying, you know, and the first thing Blake asked was, am I going to die? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, I mean, like, what are you supposed to say? Well, probably, maybe, I don't know. Like what? I'm like, I said, no, Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, you're not going to. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and we had no idea. Like we didn't know. I said, you're going to how severe Hodgkin's lymphoma was versus non Hodgkin's versus like anything, you know? But we initially were like, "No, you're not." Said, going "No, to. you're gonna, you're gonna make it through this." Mm-hmm. Then, then she said a statement. Second, which do you remember what that was? I... She said, "I'm not <laughs> crying as much as I thought I would." Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I think part of you know, I think I was like in shock, probably. almost. But it was also like a sense of like relief that I had, a feeling of relief, and that was definitely God just like comforting me in that moment. But like that you weren't worried, you mean? That you weren't scared? Yeah. Well, I think in the uncertainty, I was like more anxious and scared, like not knowing what it was. Mm-hmm. But when I finally found out what it was, it was like, yeah, you know, it's cancer. It's not the best um, answer. But after that, I was like relieved that I knew what it was. And I was just ready to like face it and get over it. Blake, where was, you were 14, right? 15. You were 15. Yeah. A baby still. I mean, I know it doesn't feel like, and you're becoming a young woman, but in the grand scheme of life, still a child, where was your faith foundation the first 15 years of your life to get you to a place where you could say, I think that was just God's peace washing over me? Um, well... I wouldn't say I had like the greatest faith foundation um, when I was that young, but I guess somewhere around like my, for when I was 14, 15 um, was when I started like getting serious in my relationship with Jesus because I started going to youth mm-hmm. and, um, you know, actually paying attention to in church and I guess... Um, I just, in that moment, I just realized that it was Jesus that was with me and yeah. I think sometimes in these situations and we've heard other stories of just trials that families have gone through, Mm -hmm. sometimes the kids' faith outshines the adults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one thing that my mother-in-law had said, you know, because well, anyone that knows Blake and myself knows that we're a lot alike. She's Mm -hmm. a lot like me. Mm -hmm. And I tend to um, exaggerate things and like, you know, um, make things a bigger deal than they are. Mm -hmm. And so in this instance, like the fact that I had a piece, Mm -hmm. I knew that had to be God because Mm -hmm. the normal Casey would have been like a hysterical, like, wreck of a person and been angry and like questioning God and upset and 
all of those things, but yet, you know, even, even in the hospital, like throughout the, throughout the journey, um, you know, I just, for some reason, God just like gave me this peace and like gave me this, um, sense of it's going to be okay. I've got you. There's no need to flip out, worry, you know, go through, I, I tend to like in my normal world, go through all the what ifs, like, you know, what if this happens and what if this happens mm-hmm. and what, you know, and worry and yeah. fret and yeah. get anxious about those things. And, um, you know, he totally, uh, took over in that instance for me and helped me, you know, daily get through that. So, um, you know, like, like Blake said, she can't really explain it, but you know, knowing what we normally are like, mm-hmm. there's no other explanation than that really. So. Well, and the third thing she said, I mean, this was all within five minutes of finding out that confirming that she yeah. had cancer. The third thing she said that was, I'm going to beat this and I'll be able to say I beat cancer. Mm. That's, yeah. I mean, she had that attitude through the whole mm-hmm. 10 months. Yeah. What was your hashtag? Punch, throat punch, throat punch, throat punch, throat punch Hodgkins. <laughs> Which I think somebody had given us that like after we had announced it. You know, somebody I think said, "Oh, I'm a, I can't wait to watch her throat punch Hodgkins or something like that." Mm-hmm. So then we added that hashtag along with the other brave Blake. Brave Blake, yeah. And God's mm-hmm. got this, but yeah. we kind of became friends through this whole mm-hmm. scenario. Were you and Andy at a Starbucks? Is, I feel like there was like a Starbucks conversation very yeah. shortly after her diagnosis. Yeah, I don't remember the timing of that. Like when in like when her diagnosis was and right. when, he, when he and I met. But it was at the Starbucks at Liberty Center where we met at and yeah. spent some time talking and yeah, catching up. And I remember you sharing with him, because here you are a pastor, so there's this like blanketed faith that pastors are supposed to have that's unshakable, right? <laughs> right. I'm kidding. Yeah, unshakable, but, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, it really did shake you to your core. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I'll try to keep it little. Um, yeah, but condense it. A bit. I, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, I, I grew up in church, and my dad's a pastor, so I've been a, a PK pastor's yeah. kid, you know. Mm-hmm. And sure do. If you're a pastor's kid, <laughs> you know what all comes along with that. So, uh, without getting into those details, um, you know, I, I grew up in a home that. Um, was very loving, forgiving, accepting, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, but we just, I was fortunate enough, blessed enough to, to grow up in a family, in an environment, even into our current family, being married, having mm-hmm. our own kids, mm-hmm. like the life that I have, that, that God has given me has been pretty easy. So, you know, when the Bible talks about hardships mm-hmm. and basically promises that, you know, we're going to go through suffering, there's, mm-hmm. we're going to go through hard times. We're going to, you know, when I looked at my life, I'm like, man, I don't know. Have I really suffered before? I don't mm-hmm. I've never really gone through anything that's, that would remotely shake my mm-hmm. faith, you know, mm-hmm. or cause me to question who God is or, you know, who he says he is. And I've never, I've never questioned that. I've always trusted him in that, you know, 
Um, I mean, I literally, the thing that, you know, that everyone experiences at some point in their life is loss, right? Like right. some, a loved one that passes right. away or a best friend or whatever. I haven't even experienced that, you know, aunts and uncles are all married, you know, like no split families. And I mean, so, and it's a weird thing, uh, for those that, uh, uh, at, at origins, I had spoke every once in a while, not mm -hmm. all the time, but, mm -hmm. um, they could, they will remember the times when leading up to this before finding out that she had cancer. Um, it was, it was a crazy God thing that he started putting on my heart. Like, um, you know, there was something about suffering that actually was attractive to me that was, and I just like, I don't know why I was feeling that way, mm. like wishing. And part of it was because as a pastor, you hope to, you want to be able to relate to people. Um, not that you have to experience everything in order to relate, relate to that, right. but suffering is again, it's something that we all go through on some level and that we're all, it's, we're going to suffer in some way. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I hadn't experienced that at all, you know, and there was something weird <laughs> that God was doing in me that I'm thinking, man, I, I wish that I, like something would happen that would cause me to have to, you know, actually test my faith, mm. you know, um, to, to like prove or show that my faith is authentic, mm. you know, and it's not just because I grew up in church and I'm just believing everything I was told and taught growing mm -hmm. up and, you know, um, now I never thought I was thinking a lot of other things besides, my daughter having cancer, having yeah. cancer sure. about scenarios of like ways that, that I could be tested, I guess, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and this happened and that's part of the argument that I had with God in my car, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it's okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've, I have been to trying, stop and pause. I've been trying to keep the tears in because I know that if they're like contagious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have to pause because it gets really ugly if I keep trying to talk. Like you can actually see my ugly face through my voice. Oh my gosh. Whatever. If I try to keep talking right now. Um, because it was like, you know, I know that this is something that I've been, you've been teaching me or showing me and I've mm -hmm. been you know, struggling with it, you know, like, but why did you have to bring her into this? Yeah. You know, that's kind of what, yeah. Um, so we've had it's a weird thing. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, it was weird too, because it was like, I, I didn't feel comfortable expressing some of those feelings, um, around Blake because I just didn't, uh, you know, your was, dad. Yeah. I just didn't want her to, I didn't know how she was going to take it and, you know, hearing that she had cancer was enough right now. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, so that was the whole focus was just being there for her and seeing how she responded to it, um, was definitely comforting to me as a parent. Yeah. So I think one of my memories, Blake, and our oldest is your age and you guys were at school together and Elle didn't really know you very well, but knew of you. And of course, you know, anytime there's a diagnosis, suddenly everyone knows mm -hmm. who you are and with social media and everything else. But yeah. one of my memories of you and 
seeing your, I know brave Blake was the hashtag, but the pictures that were done where you had gone ahead and proactively shaved your head Mm -hmm. and they were the most beautiful pictures. Thank you. Um, and I just remember thinking like, wow, she is so young and brave to girls love their hair and, and your whole family has great hair. Brock, even you have great hair. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I just can't even imagine what that was like. That was, I mean, speaking on that, um, when, before we had our first oncology appointment, Mm -hmm. they had told us, you know, before you come to this appointment, please get a notebook, write down all of your Mm -hmm. questions that you have, because I'm Mm -hmm. sure you have a million. Mm -hmm. And in the moment at the appointment, you're not going to be able to think of them all. Mm -hmm. So just write down whatever you have and we'll go over them. And we had several. Blake was awesome. She had written down probably 15, 18 questions that she had for the doctors. Um, But the one question that Mm -hmm. we all broke down with in that room was, is she going to lose all of her hair? Mm -hmm. And they said yes. And so that was the moment where we all broke down. And that was really the only moment that I had seen since we found out the diagnosis in our bedroom that day, crying, that I had seen her cry. Mm -hmm. It's just because she knew that was coming. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, she, when it came around to, I think it was like after maybe her third treatment was when it started to really fall out. out. Mm -hmm. And um, like every, even a, wide tooth comb going mm-hmm. through it. It was just all over the even bathroom like, floor. Not even touching and it. it was like all over my clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would get all over her shirt and whatever. Mm-hmm. So then she was just like, you know what? It's thinning so bad. Let's just mm-hmm. do it. And so, um, a close friend of ours, um, Tara Clark, I'll name drop that. Cause she do it all. does our pictures. Drop them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, came over and was, you know, uh, awesome at, uh, being there for that moment and taking pictures for us. Um, you know, and videos of her actually shaving it herself and, Mm. um, and the looks on her face when she saw what it looked like afterwards, you know, and so many people had said, you know, oh my gosh, could she be like more beautiful than she was with hair without hair? Yeah. And, um, you know, as parents, obviously we're biased and, and grandparents and, you know, so she's like, you guys are just my family. I mean, initially she was like, oh my gosh, you know, and like, didn't, she, she I don't think you smiling her chin was up. Yes. Was, I mean, it know. was, and at that point there was still stubble. So, yeah. I mean, as time went on, it went to like fully bald, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I think she was still like, okay with it. it even just, though she was just like, you guys me- are my family. I know that you think I'm beautiful, but you know, I have to get used to this myself, you know, whatever. It took me a couple of days to like get used to it. Yeah. But, like, once it kicked in that, like, I had no hair and, like, once I, like, saw so many other girls with, like, long, pretty hair, Mm -hmm. that's when I started to, like, get sad about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you had long hair up until that point. You had, uh, you know, it was, like, down the middle of your back. Yeah. So, um, we cut, you know, before she shaved it, we cut it little by little just to kind of make it not so, like, Mm -hmm. the whole head of hair is coming out at once. Yeah. Um. So then we, you know, we went through getting, you know, a wig and helping with that to make her a little bit more comfortable. And then another friend of ours, Rachel Spears, took her to her uh, studio to do a photo shoot of her with with her wig and without her wig Mm -hmm. um, just to have those photos as well. And they're stunning. Yeah, you are stunningly beautiful. Now, she's like, why do you use 
those pictures all the time. Like she, you know, she's over it, but I'm like, Blake, those pictures are beautiful. They're stunning. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I, and I will continue to use them and I'm your mom and you can't do anything <laughs> about it. So sorry. Yeah. So Blake, but, during this whole time, did, did you always have this peace or how were you wrestling with? Because I mean, I know we've got teenage girls here. I know how, challenging and stressful those years can be just with like managing friendships, Mm -hmm. let alone this serious diagnosis. How did you get up in the morning and, and get through your days? Um, well, I, there was definitely times where I was like super sad, super down. That was usually like the nights before chemo treatments. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I would get worked up over it. Sure. But, um, you know, I feel like going throughout the day, I usually had like things to do. And so my mind was kind of like off it Mm -hmm. normally. Um, but yeah, especially when I was like in the hospital or I, like it was coming up on the days that I would Mm -hmm. have to go in. That was when I would get like super down and like pray a lot and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And you stayed up with school at home, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. That was just going to add in that. Um, the school, Mason City Schools, was amazing mm-hmm. at when we first went in to tell them what mm-hmm. happened. I mean, Blake was a straight-A student mm-hmm. before all this. And so, um, of course, it's no, it's the end of November. And by mm-hmm. the time we went in to talk with them, it's like the first week of December. Mm-hmm. So it's like end of semester. And her guidance counselor was like, listen, you guys have a lot on your plate. Mm-hmm. You have a lot to think about. We don't want school to be one of those things. Mm-hmm. So at this point... The grades that she has right now is the grades she's going to keep. So mm. she got to keep her straight A's oh, that's so good. She, for that semester. And she didn't have to start doing anything until January, uh, you know, mm-hmm. of the following year. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, they kind of left it up to her. Do you want to come to school? Do you not want to come to school? And Blake had chose, I don't want to come to school. Mm. Um, I don't want to, you know, and obviously at that point too, not knowing how she's going to feel, mm-hmm. um, you know, is every day going to feel nauseous and sick and throwing up and whatever, or am I going to have good days? And, you know, so they kind of left it up to her to do school at home. Mm -hmm. But if she wanted to come in and have lunch with her friends, they could go in and they could use a guidance counselor's Mm -hmm. room and she could have all four of her friends with her and Mm -hmm. eat lunch, you know, like whenever she wanted. So she chose to do that a few times just to kind of keep in contact with them. But I mean, they came to the house and visited her quite a bit too. Um, And once we got our routine of knowing, um, you know, day of chemo, nothing else is happening. Like it's, it's, um, five to six hours at the hospital, Excuse me, not feeling well the day after, usually not feeling well either. Sometimes the second day after, but then after that, since her, her chemo treatments were every two weeks, she had maybe three days of not feeling great. But then after that, she felt normal again until the next chemo treatment. How many months was your treatment altogether? Um, She had six months of chemo. Okay. So there was 12 treatments of chemo. Okay. um, For six full months. And And then then radiation. And then we had, um, you know, they went back in to look and see at the final PET scan, what the chemo had done Mm -hmm. and everything looked good on that last PET scan, except there was one lymph node that was still lit up in her neck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, another biopsy. 
They did another biopsy of that. To confirm that what they were seeing was still Mm -hmm. cancer. Mm -hmm. So they did another biopsy, used the same incision on the left side of her neck. Um, Uh, And then it came back and confirmed that it still was cancer. Mm -hmm. So then they did 17 radiation treatments. But those Mm -hmm. were every day, like Monday through Friday. Uh So that... Those but there was like a month there three, where that was kind of in between. Weeks. Yeah, that, yeah. Where they like you know at the at the end of her treatment that was like May sixteenth or eighteenth, and then into June we were meeting with the radiation mm-hmm. team talking about and then it they take about two to three weeks to formulate their plan of how many treatments, you know what the dosage is, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, she has to go. She had to go in and get like fitted for the head device yeah. plus like the position that she needed to be in for that treatment. Um, and then, so then she didn't start her treatments until I, I believe it was like the first week of July and then she finished on July 30th. Yeah. Well, um, the, the thing I remember was she was doing radiation when, uh, volleyball, summer volleyball was starting back up. Yeah. And I remember leading, that too. leading right mm-hmm. up to tryouts. Mm-hmm. So she was, Going to volleyball in the morning, then radiation in the afternoon, and back to volleyball at night. Man. And then... And then through the week of her birthday was misery week Mm. or survivor week. And I was a nervous Nelly mom. Still Because I'm, you know, knowing that, I mean, radiation over chemo is way different and way less invasive and sick and whatever Mm -hmm. because of where her cancer was. Um, but it still drains you and you're still, you know, you're coming off a chemo, your immune system's not back up yet. And they're out in like 80 to 90 degree heat doing these miserable things outside for three hours. Right. So I'm like, can I go park at the school and just be in the parking lot in case? And she's Mm. like, no, I'll be fine. (laughs) And, um, you know, even her coach is like, are are you sure she's going to be all right to do this? You know, I'm like, yeah, she's pushing through. She's saying, and she did, I mean, she was awesome and showed her commitment to the team and wanting to be a part of it and that she could do it even while going through radiation every day. And so, um, yeah, she made it through that. And I mean, through the radiation, the only really side effect she had was redness on her neck. And then she had a sore throat for about a week. Mm. Um, but there is long-term side effects, um, that she will, her thyroid will be affected Mm. and she'll eventually later on down the road have to be on thyroid medication. But, um, but the immediate, you know, effects were not severe. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the, there's so many things. I'm sure. I mean, we probably could keep going for a long time. Another couple hours. <laughs> a whole <but> series. <laughs> there's just so like moments that, yeah. you know, still stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, when it comes to radiation, the, the big thing for me as a parent, again, yeah. this is a parent with mm-hmm. a child who's going through cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's different. I would assume than going through it myself, but, um, but seeing your child, I mean, just just imagine as a parent what it's like when your child is really sick. Mm-hmm. You know how that feels, mm-hmm. like wishing you could help. Like, mm-hmm. Let's just take it all away, yeah. you know. Um, and so in this case, you know, your that feeling is kind of, it's just always there, you know. And for us, it was 10 months, yeah. you know, of like. And radiate when radiation came around, it was like another new experience mm-hmm. for her and us to go through 
and the first radiation treatment she had, you know, she had, they put her on the table and they let us, Casey and I, let us come back to the room and see how she was laid out, you know, Mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. what the room and all that stuff looked like. And, um, and I just remember when I walk in, you know, Blake's already on the table and she's got that Teflon mask Mm -hmm. that's like literally form fitted to her face. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course it's painted Gucci (laughs) on the face of it. Yeah. Inspired by you. And, uh, (laughs) but, um, uh, anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm seeing this and of course I'm trying to not cry Keep like a baby, together. you know, yeah. and f- mm-hmm. with her hearing me. Cause we found out that it seemed like everything we did or said, she could hear it. Okay. Like, no, like no matter oh, where we yeah, were in the hospital, yeah. it's like Blake could hear it. In the pet scan so, room while the machine is like racing around her head. And like, it's like this, like white noise. She could still hear. She could saying. hear us well, like we were crying, crying and praying sure. and stuff but in that room. We were room. crying because like, we were praying, begging not? God to make it go away, you know, like yeah. make the scan clear. I have like nothing else to focus on. So I'm just like laying there. Right. I can't fall asleep because it's not comfy. Yeah. So I'm just like, I can hear them just like sniffling and crying. So I'm like, oh my gosh, can they see like a screen that's like showing more cancer or something like can they already see mm. that and they're crying about it and i don't know and um but yeah because yeah well as soon we as you had, got out you said what are you guys crying about <laughs> we're like oh my Get gosh you can together. hear us right yeah <laughs> right I'm and like, over no, the course of the fun. whole treatment there was what four pet scans so four yeah. different times you know we're in that room praying mm-hmm. Me sniffling, you know, yeah. trying to be quiet about it. But mo- more of our moments ended up being in the shower. Mm. I think for Brock was, and I both would be, those are the times yeah. we could like let go and let mm-hmm. it out and be by ourselves and not, mm-hmm. you know, because there was several times I broke down, but I didn't want to break down in front of her, yeah, sure. you know. Sure. And um, and so, yeah, those would be the times I think that we both would, besides at night, that we would pray and just use that time to talk to God and let all of our tears out if we needed yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. So well, you guys, back to the, oh yeah, go ahead. I didn't even finish. Sorry. I told you this is long, <laughs> but so she would, I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I need to rescue her, you know, sure. get her off this table yeah. and she's all strapped down and everything. In her Gucci mask. And as soon as we Gucci walk mask. out of the, as soon as we walked out of that room to go back out into the waiting room, I like lost it, you know, mm-hmm. The nurse is like, how's mom and dad? And I'm like, I'm good. And I look at Brock and he is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that this is, again, this is the first radiation treatment. Like 30 minutes later, Blake comes back out and I'm like trying to console her, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how was it? Are you okay? Well, and I was asking her all these questions. She finally was like, dad, it's really not that big a deal. <laughs> I'm like, Put okay. him in his place. So, well, I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> yeah. She goes, it's way better. She's like, this is mm. nothing compared to the chemo. The chemo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it so. is convenient or inconvenient to like have to go back every, every day. day. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I didn't have any like immediate side effects. So. And those appointments, radiation appointments were like in and out in 45 minutes mm. versus chemo days were like six hours. Yeah. yeah. So, and she didn't get sick from mm-hmm. the radiation either. So. Yeah. It was much more tolerable for sure. Um, when that, and you only laid on the table for what, like maybe three minutes? Five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the one of the big things I learned uh, 
through this was, I mean, I just can't imagine. I'm very grateful for God's grace and mercy over Blake, not just in healing her, but the through the healing process. Because, I mean, her... I think she would agree to this. I'm not trying to be insensitive in saying that it was, you know, nearly perfect the way it went. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, it still sucked. Yeah. You know, it's, it was, there were rough times, especially yeah. for her. Cause she's the one that was going through the treatments, but, but like every single time they took her levels, they, they mm-hmm. checked her levels, blood levels, all mm-hmm. the different things they monitor and they were always fine. Mm-hmm. They're always healthy. Yeah. The, the only supplement they ended up giving her was vitamin D mm. through the whole process. Wow. That's which, amazing. you know, there's some of the, some of the worst, Besides her, um, some of the harder scenarios are, you know, she might have to get a blood transfusion. Right. If right. things go bad, you know, because yeah. of the way her body responds to the chemo. Mm-hmm. Um, that was never even close. She was never mm-hmm. even close to a blood transfusion. Um, you know, we had to talk with a dietitian about what if she ends up on a feeding tube because she mm-hmm. can't hold food down right. and can't, you know, um, get nourishment. And so, you know, you're like in the beginning, it's just like, what? there's all these what if scenarios, mm-hmm. like it could go really bad or it could go really well. Mm-hmm. And going back to the beginning as well, uh, we didn't discuss it, but, um, I was, I was too scared to like Google mm. anything about cancer. Yeah. You should Thelma, say you're too that. smart. To right. Google. <laughs> too, right. <laughs> well, yeah. and I mean, in the, in the oncology department or department, appointment they had said too we do not suggest doing on. that do yeah. not web md anything mm-hmm. we will give mm-hmm. you like specific sites you can look at but you know that was one thing that people kept coming to us with in the beginning was oh my gosh hodgkin's lymphoma like if you're gonna have cancer that's the best one oh. like it's a 93 percent cure rate um you know it's just like non-hodgkin's is mm-hmm. way worse much more treatment involved um much longer treatment. And so, you know, that was another like blessing that we, you know, didn't even know in the beginning until it came out over time. But there's plenty of opinions too out there. Well, sure. You know, she made me think of this and it's probably good to say for anyone that's experiencing this or will experience. I mean, we had plenty of people coming up to us and you should try this. Mm-hmm. You know, have you read this book before? Are you sure you're going to make her go through chemo instead of just and not eating anything but lettuce? I'm just <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I told, I remember that. telling one person because they were more persistent than most about that type of thing. And I was just like, Hey, I said, you're, you're, you are more willing to make a decision about my daughter's mm. life than I am. Mm. I'm like, Number one, I trust God through this, yeah. whatever, you know, and number two, I'm going to go with the 99, 97% cure rate, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm not going to eat carrots and organic stuff and yeah. hope that she yeah. makes it, you know, like if it was me, maybe I would do that, but I'm not going to make that decision yeah. for my daughter, you know. So. so y'all are two years out since yes. diagnosis and God has been very gracious in answering prayers the yes, way ma'am. we all hoped he would. So mm-hmm. tell us what that was like, that news. And when, when you got the news that she was clear, it was, <clears throat> I believe, was it September 26th or 23rd? 26th. Yeah. I get confused on the dates because we would, 
we would get the results, but then we like from, no, we would have the appointment. Then you could like see something on my chart, but Mm -hmm. not really be able to decipher. And then your appointment with the oncologist was like two days later to confirm. So I believe it was September 26th. Yes, it was. You are uh, right. And do you know why I know this? Did you go back and look? No. Oh. You probably don't remember this because I'm sure it was a blur. But I was at Children's with Drew because he had just broken (gasps) his nose. I do remember. That is right. And I was walking past the pharmacy and you were running. I was going to get medicine. And you were like, she's clear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember tearing up. Yes. And just thinking. Yeah. I'm so grateful that that was the result. And I know that that's what you all expected because it was kind of post-radiation. I mean, I know you were hoping and expecting that the first time. Right. And then had to go through some more treatment. They had said, you know, initially, like, if this radiation doesn't work, we have other things in our pocket that we can have to bring out. But that, you know, will entail like inside their pocket. Yeah, we didn't want to know what that <laughs> yeah. was, we good. Uh, including yeah. like stem cell right. stuff and all that. And I'm just right. like, oh, Lord, please let this radiation work. Yeah. And, you know, um, but uh, that day at that appointment, you know, we were so excited for them yeah. to confirm. And they said, I said, you know, she's like, you know, your skin looks great. Yeah. It's clear. And, you know. And the only thing that, you know, the PET scan had showed a number on was scar tissue, which mm-hmm. is what happens when mm-hmm. you do that. And so I was like, okay, well then when can we say she's clear? Mm-hmm. She's cancer free. And they're like today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so This you is know. the day. This so yeah, I, I envisioned running and screaming through the hospital with my hands in the air, just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, praising the Lord and saying hallelujah, hallelujah. And thank you so much. But I didn't actually do that, well, but I was pretty it was excited. A, it was weird. Because that, what you thought it would be like compared to what it was, it was more of just like, okay, well. The I doctors guess, aren't guess, used to that, I guess. They weren't, they they weren't guess ringing bells over. or right. things right. like that. Yeah. yeah. They were like really chill. Guess we're done with that. We're, we're really chill. Wow. So what has been, I want to, I want to hear from each of you, what has been, I mean, I'm sure you guys have learned so much through all of this, things that you never thought you even needed to learn. I want to hear from each one of you, what has been a promise that God has either given you during this time out of scripture or one that was already there that has become more real through this? Anyone want to go first? Uh Uh-oh, fingers are pointing, people. (laughs) Fingers are pointing. (laughs) Um, Well, I wrote down a couple of things that I felt like I learned from Jesus. Yeah, Um, let's hear it. So I definitely learned to seek him instead of worldly things through the good and the bad times because um, I would normally when I felt sad or anxious or whatever, I was thinking about like if I died, like all the things that I would miss, all Mm. the experiences that I'd miss here on earth. But I realized I needed to focus on like even if I do die, like I'm going to heaven and that's Mm. like way more important. and. yeah, and then I also realized that he was proving to me that he was always going to be by my side and he can get me through everything mm. because um, he pulled me out of a really dark time and that obviously means that he has me here for a reason. Mm. And um, and that reason is to bring more people to him and um, show my light of Jesus to everyone mm. else because my time here is limited, so... Mm. Oh, yeah. My favorite verse that I like commonly went to was Isaiah 41.10. 
Do not fear, for I am with mm. you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm. Blake, I want to speak into you just for a minute um, because people have watched you and you have stewarded this journey of cancer so beautifully. And for being a teenager who um, is paving the way for a lot of people who have watched your life and have truly seen Jesus through you. So I just, I think that God has really big plans for your story and I know that you're not going to waste it. And I think that he's going to use it to reach so many people who are beyond your years um, to see him and to see the goodness of him, even in probably the darkest days that you've hopefully will ever go through. Thank you so much. What about you, Mama? Okay, so I was thinking about, um, I know you had talked to us about, you know, verses that we held on to throughout um, this process. And one for me, and especially in the beginning, was uh, Psalms 34, 18 through 19. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted mm-hmm. and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Um you know, in the beginning we were just, we were crushed Mm -hmm. and we were, um, sad. And we were, I remember back to, um, the Sunday after we had gotten the diagnosis, um, and everyone at church was so loving and, Mm -hmm. um, caring and understanding, but, you know, we sang and I, I know going back to the question that you had asked Brock earlier, we sang God is so good Mm. that Sunday morning. And, um, you know, we're like, we know he's good Mm. and we trust that he's good and that everything is for a reason and and for his purpose. Um, but to like sing and praise those words in that moment is like a hard was hard battle, you know, Mm. um, to know it and trust it, but then to actually like live through it when, when you're actually like, put to the fire. So, um, that was a great verse for me. And then, um, I also, um, in my normal life, uh, like I said before, tend to, um, get fearful Mm -hmm. over things Mm -hmm. a lot. And so, um, I can worry and, um, just get exasperated by that. So anyways, second uh, Timothy one seven was another verse for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love mm-hmm. and of self-control. Yeah. And so that was one I had to constantly repeat to myself yeah. because um, yeah, I could get all wrapped up in the, you know, every time I saw her get sick. And I mean, one thing we talked about with, with people that were went above and beyond for us throughout this process, bringing mm-hmm. us meals, doing things for us, running, doing fundraisers, just loving on us like yeah. we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, was, you know, I, I knew in my heart that God was going to heal her, mm. but walking through the process with her was mm-hmm. what I just like could not fathom and like didn't want to endure and didn't yeah. want to see. And so, um, you know, that was just the hardest part was having to go through it, you know, like, why can't we just skip to the end and know that she's going to be okay and it's going to be over and, um, not have to watch her go through it, you know, and not be able to do anything because when she's laying there sick and, you know, helpless, there's nothing that we can do to make that go away or feel better. 
So, um, so yeah, I would get fearful a lot, but have to remind myself. What about you, Brock? Well, the, um, <clears throat> that Psalms, uh, 34, 18 was kind of our theme. Um, cause that's the thing that I repeated to myself over and over. Um, because I truly don't think that I've ever been brokenhearted mm-hmm. or crushed mm-hmm. in every sense of the word mm-hmm. until, until then. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a verse that you've, you know, heard multiple times and that all of a sudden became very personal, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but another one like that, that, um, and this kind of goes back to shaking my faith, you know, and, um, there's times where you're, you're singing a song yeah. or you're reading a verse or you're listening to a message, whatever, like times that you're with God, that there's something in you that kind of tugs on you. Like when you sing certain words of a song that you know are true, but there's like a hesitation in there for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, because it's your, your faith is shaking a little bit, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, Mark chapter nine, it's where, um, the part where the man comes to Jesus who has a son who's been like tormented by demons since he was born basically. Yeah. Um, and the guy, the dad says, you know, he's been dealing with this. Sometimes it's thrown him into a fire because, you know, he's, he loses control and foams at the mouth and, and has seizures and, um, and he actually says this to Jesus. He says, if you can um, do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And I love the way Jesus responds to that. And he's, he literally says, if you can, like, is that a question? Right. He's like, and he says, everything is possible for one who believes. And then immediately the father cried, uh, of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And this is, and that, you know, again, is another verse that just really meant something to me that it never has before, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, believing that God can heal her um, is something that I didn't really question. But part of what I didn't want was for him to heal her by taking her home, you know? Right. Um, Because I do believe that, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I believe that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe the Bible when when it talks about having a new body and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to, like, the the pain is gone, Mm -hmm. the cancer is gone, like Mm -hmm. it's true like perfect healing. Right. I didn't want that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I, when I would say that I believe God would heal her, I knew that it, that was part of the option, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but we begged over and over for the cancer, like, you know, like God just, you know, perform a miracle, yeah. like mm-hmm. make this gone yeah. and we'll tell her everyone about it, you know? Like, yeah. And yeah. I kept like rationalizing it like that too. Like if, if it was gone in a, in a poof, like wouldn't that make people like believe more that mm-hmm. there's a God yeah. that can do that? Cause mm-hmm. the doctors like couldn't explain it. Right. And, um, so I was like, why doesn't he just do that to me? So I don't have to suffer and 
like more people can be brought to him, yeah. but he knows exactly what he's doing and he did this, he healed me the way he did for a reason. So, yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think it's because of, you know, I mean, we talk about, we know that faith isn't the absence of fear, right? But right. sometimes we, um, it's like we don't, we don't allow for there to be room for doubt mm-hmm. or questioning. Mm-hmm. And we think that we have to be like perfect in that area. Yeah. You know, like our faith has yeah. to be perfect without doubt, you know. Right. Um, and so that was something that was almost liberating in mm-hmm. a sense that I was like, I was able to face that unbelief and yeah. admit it and talk about it. And, you know, but at the same time, it's like there's something pulling me in that direction, but it's not take, it's not, I'm not severing that, you yeah. know, from the faith that I, that I do have and trusting that he's going to heal her. And I told Andy, through it. I've said, I've told him several times that um, I want him to do a series called 18 inches, which is the distance from our head to our heart. And mm-hmm. that journey from what we know to be true mm-hmm. to what we believe in our soul to be, mm-hmm. it takes 18 inches to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's a process. And I think it would just be a great, I mean, doesn't matter what you're going through, whether it's something really significant like cancer or on the grand scale, scale of things, something much less like a, finding a new job. Mm-hmm. But it's still that process of knowing what is to be true and really reconciling it with your heart. Mm-hmm. So Casey, I want you to close us with a thought. I see you've got a, okay. a book open there. I do. I So I read um, Lisa Turkhurst's book throughout this process. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say too, I am not a reader. Mm-hmm. I don't love to We're going to name drop Lisa Turkhurst too. We are gonna, so yeah. Just in case yeah. she's listening. Yes, in case. <laughs> Lisa, love you. Um, and we went to the women's conference oh, right. at Rivers yeah. Crossing, which yes. was during Blake's treatment. Yes. And I bl- brought Blake with me and, you know, it would have been awesome to meet her in person. But uh, me too. Um, but it's called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And I read this book like every treatment day mm-hmm. uh, when you're just sitting in the hospital room for six hours. Yeah. Waiting and waiting and waiting. But um, there are so many things I highlighted in this book, but um, this one I just wanted to bring up. Um, it's Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Um, the verse says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father mm-hmm. of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Mm-hmm. Um And she noted, when we show up with compassion for others, our own disappointments won't ring as hollow or sting with sorrow nearly as much. Mm. And so, like, that has been a thing that Brock and I, you know, throughout this process, like, we wouldn't have thought um, so compassionately for, you know, all the kids that are going through cancer right Mm now um, at Children's. And, um, you know, all the families that are in, in the dragonfly foundation that, you know, we get, we got to so, uh, lovingly be a part of, Mm -hmm. and we are so grateful for, and, um, you know, had this not happened, we wouldn't, we wouldn't think about those things. We wouldn't care about those things. We wouldn't want to know or talk to parents that are going through the same thing that we went through Mm -hmm. or, you know, may have a much more rough road than what Mm -hmm. we that what we had, um, or be able to, you know, put a package together for someone that right. 
came across our path and said, you know, I know so-and-so in this family that their kid just got diagnosed. Like, you know, how could you help them in some way or whatever? So that has just been cool to see God work in those ways Mm -hmm. where as if this whole situation didn't happen, we wouldn't have those opportunities. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just last week is the most recent example of that. There's a, a kid graduated from Mason last year. Mm-hmm. He's a freshman at UC now. And his sister is still uh, at the high school, and Blake knows her. Mm. Um, and we, somebody reached out to me that we are mutual friends, mm-hmm. you know. We don't know them, but we have friends that are mutual. And we talked to them, like, yeah, we'd love to do this. We're going to try and put, a, like, a care package together, mm-hmm. you know, like to – and then – I, you know, we gave them our um, phone number and uh, emails, like just reach out to us anytime. We're going to, mm-hmm. you know, when they're ready, we're going to connect with them and yeah. uh, try and be there with them because he just started. We don't even know all the details, but I know he's, I think he's only had two treatments so far. Wow. So, um, but we've been able just, to meet with parents and talk with them through our experience and pray with them and, yeah. um, you know, just be able to share you know, what, what we've been through and what they're going through and if we can help in any way and um, even just bring light to the Dragonfly Foundation as well, right. you know. Yeah. Um, and Blake. Well, so much of it, too, is just being there with them. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And listening and yep. probably crying with them right. a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I did a lot of, the, of that with Blake. Just not saying anything, yeah. just sitting being there, there being holding present. her hand and crying yeah. with her. Well, it has so. been an honor to watch you all um, go through this. And I, I know that we have been just peripherally watching your story unfold, but it's been humbling and um, just really amazing to watch your faith be on display and to watch the community stand by you and walk through it with you and uh, for people to just see Jesus through ashes, Mm -hmm. um, which is what we want. So thank you so much for sharing your story, for being open and for being transparent, for shedding those tears, Brock. We're okay with that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Um, There are two things that I ask at the end of my podcast. And since it is Christmas and this is our last Christmas episode, I want to hear from each of you what you love most about Christmas. Um, I love Christmas music. Me too. I get so excited when I listen to Christmas music. I love just the time I get to spend with my family and friends. And it's just a really comforting time. I feel like I just love. Christmas. When do you start listening to Christmas music? How um, early? Definitely before Thanksgiving. Yeah, me too. Like for the beginning sure. of November. Yeah, me too. Yeah. As soon as Halloween's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And my girls this year, which I know it's been a trend because 2020 has been so <laughs> terrible, <laughs> yeah. um, to the day, you know, November 1st. Yeah. Get this Halloween stuff out and Christmas yep, up. Us too. And so we did that. And that's the first year we've ever done that. I mean, normally I do it a little bit before Thanksgiving just because we go to Indiana yeah. and we're gone for so long. But, right. um, but anyway, yeah, we did, we did it early this year, but yeah, I love Christmas music just makes you feel I know a certain way. Um, and like baking cookies and watching Christmas movies and drinking hot chocolate and whatever you know it's just fun decorating the house yeah um but you know I do love 
like it's been, I don't know if Brock could speak to before we've been dating or even married, but Christmas morning is always at my mom's house. Okay. And has always been. And I just love that. Yeah. Like I love being with my family. Yep. We sing happy birthday to Jesus. Uh-huh. We have a huge breakfast. Um, the kids all open their gifts and then we just spend the whole day together doing yeah. whatever, playing games, um, just enjoying each other. Yeah. And that's probably my favorite. And what about you, Brock? Um, I mean, Christmas is all about family for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've like, we've been here for 16 years, so, yeah. um, we always go home for the holidays and in between, I don't get to go home much, so. Yeah, it's just my favorite, and I think it's going to be even more um, special this year because we didn't get to go home for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. this year, which is, I'm pretty sure, it's the first time in my life that I've never, that I've not been home for yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. So um, I'm especially looking forward to that and being able to be home and just, you know, you don't do anything. You right. stare you're at each there. other, yeah. sleep, you're just and there. watch you're TV, present. but you're, together. you're there Fall with them. Fall asleep, watching golf room. or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's, uh, that's my favorite thing is just all the family getting yeah. together. And my family's close, like cousins, aunts yeah. and uncles, like all they're there. all there. You know, That's so. awesome. Well, and lastly, this is called the Let It Be podcast. So if there were one prayer that you could have answered, what would it be? And Brock, I'm going to start with you. Oh, gosh. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say, oh, man. I just, my prayer is that that I will always be um, ready and willing to to be there for people, mm-hmm. w- whether it's the same situation that we faced, mm-hmm. um, or just someone that needs someone to, to be there for them and listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I hope. Cause I feel very open to that now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have for most of my life, it's part of the reason why I felt like called to ministry yeah. mm-hmm. because that's just kind of who I am. I like to, but, for this especially because I remembering how um, kind of helpless you felt mm-hmm. that we felt mm-hmm. um, hearing that news about your kid. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm just, I hope that I will never lose that love, yeah. I guess, and that passion for um, being there for those that are in need of that. So. Yeah. What about you, Casey? Um, I would, my prayer, uh, I guess it's kind of two and one. Um, one that would be selfishly that Blake, Blake's cancer will remain gone yeah. forever and ever, and she'll never have to deal with it again in any yeah. other form. Um, but also that uh, that Jesus will be shown through not only her, and that He can showcase His power through her mm-hmm. and her situation and testimony, but through our family as well. Yeah to other people. And what about you, Blake? Um, I was thinking about this question and I thought that like I would ask like for an explanation maybe of something. Um specifically like what happened to me, like why I had to go through what I went through, but um I realized that that's not really going to get me anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um he's going to eventually show me what I went through that for, so 
I came up with, um, I hope that I fulfill everything that I was meant to be here on earth or everything that I was meant to do here on earth and um, that I bring as many other people to Jesus as I can. Um, I think that's the most important thing, not like asking for like answers for my, for my own life, but um, being able to like bring other people to Jesus. I love that. Let it be. (laughs) You guys, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your story. I think it's going to impact a lot of people. I know it already has. And um, I'm just really aligning with you, praying that God just uses it in a way to bring more people to him and to show us that, and if not, he is still good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Amen. I hope you guys have the best yeah. Christmas. Thank Enjoy you. all you of your too. family. Do all the fun things. Listen to all the fun music. Yes. And um, just have the best season ever. Thank you so much. You Thanks, too. Thanks, Becky. We could have talked for another hour about all the details of this journey that the Glover family has been on the past couple of years. And I'm so grateful that God chose to redeem Blake's story the way that he did. And that through all the trials and all the sufferings, this family together just wanted to point people back to Jesus. This wraps up our conversations of the Christmas edition of the Let It Be podcast. If you have been with us since the beginning, we kicked off this podcast in July of 2020, and it has been a year full of twists and turns. But my prayer for you is that in some way, in a year different than any other, you are leaving more full of hope than ever before. We're going to take a little break, a little Sabbath, if you will, for the next few weeks and probably not return until around February. If you want to stay up to date with me, you can follow me on all the social media platforms at Becky Ziegenfuss. That's Z-I-E-G-E-N-F-U-S-S. I promise to let you know when we will be back with more conversations about finding purpose in God's promises. And if you love this podcast, would you please subscribe, rate, and share it with your friends and family? It would mean the world to me. Merry Christmas. And thanks again for being part of the Let It Be podcast.